0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode 74. Yes, it is. Damn. Yeah. Uh, I'm Brentley. I'm Dan. Dan. And today. (laughs) Jesus, Dan. That's my bad. I'm sorry. See what I have to contend with? I didn't know my fucking sound was on. Oh, you didn't know. Um, Please don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, share the show with your friends. If you share the show with just one friend, it really helps the channel grow. Um, We are joined today by Russell from Coffee Breath Conversations. Russell is a fellow podcaster. He is a based Canadian coming to us from Saskatchewan, right? Right, Russell? Um, And uh, we're going to talk about grooming today because Russell has some personal experience. He's got some stories he's going to share with us. And uh, in light of the current environs, where Twitter and Reddit are now banning the word groomer, um, as if it is some sort of, you know, LGBT S- slur, sl- yeah. some sort of gay slur, some sort of slur against the alphabet community. I find that argument itself offensive uh, in that, you know, basically now Twitter and Reddit are saying that all gay people when associated hangers on are some sort of, you know, groomers when we're not. We're calling out a very specific behavior that has to do with uh, exposing children to material that is not appropriate for them. And it's, it's just so bizarre to me that we're now in this space where we can't even agree that a sexualized performance, like a drag show, is not for kids. Like, it, it blows my mind that we're at this point where that's an argument, uh, that it's, it's a point of contention. And New York, shut up! Jesus. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> man, it's kind of <sighs> like
1: Lima, Peru.
2: Is it loud like that in Lima?
1: It's constant honking all the time. Yeah. It never stops. It would drive the citizens of Ottawa crazy yeah they we'll have ptsd from the honks
2: <laughs> we're in hell's kitchen so yeah it's definitely loud here so you know aside from me forgetting to turn the volume up, it this is what it's like here you know there's so, all the sirens russell thank
0: you for joining <laughs> us uh, we really appreciate you making time um, why don't you let people know, uh, where they can find you and, uh, we'll just get into it. You can yeah. tell us, well,
2: tell tell us a bit about yourself, um, you know, where you're from your background and then how did you get into politics and podcasting and all that stuff. And then I guess from there, we'll jump into the, the main topic.
1: All right. Well, I'm not used to being on this side of the, uh, the aisle. Usually I'm the one asking the questions, but, uh, it's uh, definitely a change of pace. So yeah, my name's Russell. I am currently living in Saskatchewan, Canada, um, and really just uh, got into podcasting. I, I've always had an interest in politics. I followed political commentators for a long time, uh, Lauren Southern and a few others, like just for a very long time. And and just sort of one day said, well, I'm always giving my opinions and getting shit for it. So why not just do it online where everyone can hate me for it? Yes. <laughs> um, and I've always been a staunch conservative, for most of my evil. life um evil staunch, evil. staunch concern <laughs> well it, it's it's funny so when i when i was growing up i grew up in windsor ontario and it's kind of uh it's kind of a big union town there lots of uh next detroit michigan and lots of uh auto industry so it's a big union town and there's been a big kind of ndp base there but it's an old school ndp base like the actual like brian massey and a few other guys that actually cared about workers' rights and stuff like that. They just weren't pushing a social justice message and kind of latching on to the social justice chattering class. Um, they, I would say the NDP there, for the most part, was kind of more conservative but worker-based, if you could
0: believe it. And that's and, the, uh, the, the Liberal Party in Canada, the NDP?
1: Uh, no, the NDP at this point is... They're they're left of the Liberal Party. They're kind of like the Bernie Sanders of ah, okay. uh, of okay. um, uh, Canada.
0: National Democratic Party is that what stands for? Yeah.
1: yeah, and and again, the NDP at the provincial is different than the NDP at the federal level. Okay. So you got to be careful because sometimes there can be a party that is conservative but they don't necessarily represent the overall conservative party. They may disagree on things. We're Canadians. We like to just, we like to pretend that we're nice to people, the whole saying, sorry thing and all that, but actually we're, Fucking assholes to each other and we don't agree really on anything mm. and but it's all subtle it's all stories and politeness in front of people <laughs> and then as soon as people's backs are turned the knives come out wow
2: so, very feminine yeah I, know, I always enjoy getting canadians on here and just hearing about like the difference between canadian politics and the u.s but i don't know i i never thought about it though like how much of the politeness of canadians is just a facade <laughs>
1: Hundred percent facade. (laughs) Really, I mean it's 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 such a facade and it's something that we like to talk about. Our own prime minister says that we're a post national state. We don't have a national identity. Right?
2: Uh, He's the Uh, definition of a facade right there. (laughs) (laughs) Bad one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Anyways, we're not here to talk politics today. That could be another episode. I could get into that for hours and hours, but Daniel loves
0: tangents.
2: Well, no, I think it's just conversations sometimes go on tangents. It's just part (laughs) of of what I mean. What? Come on. That was not a tangent. We were on Canadian politics. That was not
0: not a tangent. I'm just messing with you.
2: Okay. (laughs) Uh, Well, I guess we'll jump into the meat of it. So we've been actually trying to get you on for a while. We like keep missing each other. You cancel or we cancel and something happens. But the initial, I guess, outreach was because I remember this was a few months ago. You wrote a thread about your own experiences with grooming um mm-hmm. and your family and how it affected your family and kind of ripped it apart um so it's like this is a subject that is close to home for you. You have personal experience with it, so I guess you know if talk about that thread a bit and like why you wrote it and the things you said in it and then and then I guess we can get into the meat and potatoes of what's going on in the country and why it's so serious
1: okay so I just, you know, I I hate to be one of those people for trigger warnings and all that, but I'm going to talk about a subject here that is deeply personal and for people that might be listening and again this isn't me trying to say that you're too sensitive and that, but I mean I've I had people after I made the thread reach out to me and like were just telling me this triggered me and when I say triggered I meant like, you know, they re- relive their own hellish yeah. experience that they went through either personally or as a family and that so i'm just going to preclude that that if this is something that's that's above the pale you you might you know just want to be careful with that yeah. again that's not me saying that you know sensitive snowflakes this Hold is on, a very it's, it's, it's very personal topic
2: you're being
0: polite here i think uh that's being really canadian difficult. You're being Canadian well, it's very <laughs> externally considerate to our audience yeah. just to warn them yeah. that if they have trauma in this area, this may be a particularly difficult show for them to listen to or granted, I think our audience know,
2: you know, to expect the heavy stuff from us anyway. So let's jump into it, man.
0: Okay,
1: so I so from what I understand, it kind of started mostly uh with uh James Lindsay, I think he had started commenting and, and he had mentioned something about grooming. I think there was someone else, I forget who it was, and they had kind of mentioned it and it kind of, it kind of stuck. It got under the uh, the skin of the uh, leftists there and they were, they took it pretty personally. So they started saying it all the time and, and that, and lots of people were talking about it, but I noticed the one thing, people were talking about the subject, but they weren't talking about what grooming does to families And what it does to the victims we hear a lot about grooming behavior and grooming teachers and
2: groomers
1: yes and groomers in general but we don't hear from the victims of grooming and what it does to families so when i was uh when i was growing up and this is all in the thread it's still pinned on my page When I was growing up, my uh, family member was violently sexually assaulted for several years by someone who groomed our family into basically silence. And when I say silence, our family was already a bit dysfunctional. And this person, because what do predators look for? They look for patterns where they can infiltrate themselves to get at their preferred victim type. That's what happens in all of these grooming sexual assault cases. They look for the cracks in the armor. They exploit the cracks in the armor. They gain the trust. It's not just gaining the trust of the victim. Yeah. It's gaining the trust of the entire family. Yeah,
2: the people around the victim. Yeah, you need to... A
1: hundred percent. It's It's not just the victim that gets groomed. It's the entire family. And it starts by finding some form of dysfunction. So this person had realized that our family was dysfunctional and inserted themselves into our lives in a way where they gained everyone's trust gained access to this family member and then began to sexually assault them and the sexual assault included threats as well it wasn't it wasn't simply it wasn't simply uh sexual assault and then everyone was quiet about it no this person told my family member that if you tell anyone, I will kill your family and it'll be all your fault. And this person owned, a, owned a collection of knives and stuff like that as well. So, you know, imagine, imagine you are a child and an adult is saying, I will kill your family. If you tell anyone about this, well, that, that child takes that on personally, right? Internally. And it, and it becomes You know, it becomes a legit fear for this person. So then it just continues and it continues and it continues. And
2: well, they I think they almost have to believe it, because as far as the child knows, that person could very well be telling the truth. (laughs) They could very well kill their family. So Mm
1: -hmm. and I and, you know, and if anyone's listening, that is a parent. I'm going to tell you this. The number one way you stop this from happening is, number one, you have to have a healthy skepticism of everyone, including family members that that come into your life. Yeah. You have to. You simply, you have to. Vet them. (laughs) Um, And you you always have to have just a healthy skepticism. Um, I use, for example, if you volunteer with an organization with youth, for example... The one of the rules is, is if you volunteer with any organization that deals with youth, is that there's always two adults when you're interacting with, with a youth. 100% of the time, you're never alone with a youth. And that's for protection of the child. And it's also for your protection as well
2: true yeah because a child could make up allegations against an adult and it does happen it has happened before um you know a vindictive student something like that mm-hmm. could make something up against a teacher that they're pissed at or hate so i think that that is an interesting policy actually because it, it would technically also protect the teacher
1: 100 mm-hmm. percent. well and it's also about reporting so let's say i'm a fellow volunteer and i walk by and i see volunteer bloggins talking with with a child by themselves, I might go and say, Hey, you know, what's going on and just, you know, just see what's going on in that. But at the end of the day, I'm still going to have to report that to someone why it's for actually it's for the protection of the child, but it's actually for the protection of the adult as well. So I just, and I would simply go to my supervisor and say, Hey, just to let, you know, volunteer so-and-so was, you know, they were in today, um, you know, talking with so-and-so and, and, you know, just letting you know. And it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't imply anything, but that's how we have to work as a society because there are predators that attach themselves to these organizations. We've seen it with the church. We've seen it with Boy Scouts. We've seen it with any hockey teams. Yeah. And and again, you're not making an accusation. So you are covering all your bases.
2: Yeah even therapists and psychologists, you know, people who are supposed to be helping kids through their traumas, could, you know, go into that position with the intention of being a child psychologist so they could gain access and trust to the kid. And we've then, seen least, um, we've seen happens.
0: predators in every walk of life, doctors, lawyers, mm-hmm. judges, politicians, yeah. I mean Dennis Hastert, Speaker of the House, not, you know, maybe a decade ago, I was I think it was during the Bush presidency, Bush Jr. and it came out that he was abusing yeah. young boys. So it it happens a lot more often than we like to admit, and it can it can be anybody, any yeah. any leader, anybody who has authority. You know, we have well, to be very skeptical and aware. So
2: you mentioned, you know, they part of the grooming process is they have to groom the people around the victim, mm-hmm. right? They intend to actually get to, and so the, the, that works on multiple levels. It's like, yeah, I mean, it depends what position you're in right and who you're trying to convince it could just be the family but in many cases it's also like you convince the community like you blend mm-hmm. yourself to a community so you get these people in the community to think well so and so couldn't possibly do that you know he he helps old ladies across the street he volunteers at the soup kitchen like he mm-hmm. does x y and z you know so and so's a great person and then when the community hears of the allegation and you know say a kid finally speaks and comes forward a lot of times they are not believed because simply the the image that the perpetrator has created in the community is so powerful that people just they can't possibly Mm -hmm. believe that so-and-so would do this um i don't know if you've ever read the book it's called predators by anna salter brent and i recommend it often because it's a really good book about this subject um for two reasons first of all it's a really hard book to read not technically just because detail wise talk about triggering it's man it's serious stuff like it's detailed but it's an important book because it gives you the perspective of not only the victims and like how they felt what they went through and how it affected them but also the the victimizers too and what was going on in their heads and why they did what they did and how they justify it like get off on it, all sorts of things. Like she included interviews with, with them as well. And that was a really fascinating part of the book was to like get into the heads of those people, the predators.
1: Well, the so at the end of the day, the predators, unless they have some form of serious mental impairment, for example, if some if they're honestly thinking on the level of a child or they're honestly thinking at the level of like a 10 or 12 year old because they're mentally impaired, that's one thing. And I'm not saying that it doesn't just dis- dispel the doesn't dispel you know the severity of the crime but that's one consideration but the majority of the time these people think they've done nothing wrong or they know they're doing something wrong but they feel like they're entitled to it this person that did this to my family member they didn't think they did anything wrong they didn't think there was anything wrong with it. And statistically, if one victim comes forward, there's usually at least two more victims somewhere along the way. So I really hope that there was no other victims. But statistically, once one victim comes forward, there's usually historical victims behind that as well. And there's always signs afterwards. After, after, after my family member came forward years later, like, when they were uh, when they were a teenager they came forward and they said what was happening and and the person was arrested and we started the uh the wonderful court process where we sought justice and received none from the canadian judicial system which is quite common for victims wow. um, here um you know it, it when you look back at it you can see the you can see the signs and you're like okay well that didn't make any sense well you're all you're looking in hindsight and hindsight's always twenty twenty. Right when you're living in the moment, we, and again, this person found their way into our family based on dysfunction. Um, you know, you've listened, of course, to uh, Josh's podcast, "Disaffected," and that. So a lot of a lot of his uh, mother's tendencies really mirrored and echoed my own mother's tendencies. Um, so when you have those those sort of issues then that allows predation into, into our lives because we're so focused on trying to maintain our, ourselves in our own household and trying to make sense of everything going on that this person comes in and they're like, Oh, well I can drive you here. I can do this. Oh, let me take you out for, you know, McDonald's. Let, let's go to the movies again. It was all, you know, this person was, Oh, look, they're a friendly person in, in our lives. They're, they're, right. a, they're an, they're an island on a sinking sh- that around a sinking ship, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they they latched themselves into our lives, and that is what by gaining our trust, grooming us, gained access to uh to that family member who was then horribly and violently sexually assaulted for several years.
2: Yeah, so you mentioned Joshua Slocum, and I think this is a good jump off point into another subject related to this. And it's the, the cluster B personality disorders, um, you know, and psychopathology and that sort of thing, which is the main subject that Josh covers on his podcast, Disaffected. And, you know, you have to wonder how much of this stuff goes on because we are simply not armed with the knowledge of how these people operate, um, how their brains work. And this is why I brought up Predators, because I think it is important, that book, I mean, it's important to get insight into the minds of these people and how they work and function and how you know what they'll the image they'll portray themselves as as opposed to what's actually happening in the interior and they can be really really drastically different and i don't think people understand just how good predators can be at camouflaging themselves and blending in and appearing to be normal and, and altruistic and all of that stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. that you're saying that this person did to gain access to your family. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: it's just, it's, we don't understand that people like that can even exist. I think a lot of people don't quite get it.
1: Well, if people don't have family members or, or have a personal connection with it, they don't get it. There's too many people, honestly, that go through life thinking that people are generally good and that the world is generally a good place littered with, Bad people here and there uh, i, I won 't lie i 'm an extreme pessimist. I think the world is an absolute pile of shit, and in it is sprinkled <laughs> with decent people, but you really yeah. have to go and find them yeah. and then you have to and then you have to really kind of take a look and say you know even then are these people decent or are they hiding an agenda that sort of thing
2: yeah see i don 't know i think I think most people have encountered these types. It's just a matter of they. They, I think they try to explain it away. Um, naturally, I think when you are a good person too, you want to assume everyone is redeemable and they're good too. So there's that aspect to it. I think it's just they simply don't understand. <laughs> we don't understand. You know how well,
1: we we'll are. never really understand it. We we won't understand it. Why why a grown adult could could tr- victimize a child like in that way? I don't think we'll really ever truly yep. understand. Um, and and I don't really care to understand personally yeah. because I don't think because
2: I've done I just, my own research in, on it. In the patterns, we certainly have to understand and being able to recognize the patterns. Like, how do you really spot someone like this? Mm-hmm. And that's what's so important. Like, that was why Anna Salter wrote her book. That was the whole point of the book. Is like to be able to hopefully higher your chances percentage-wise of being able to spot these people and then certain things you can do to uh mitigate risk to to make it less likely that you'll your child will be in in a situation where they could be abused you know and you already mentioned certain things like that like two adults present and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. but like vet people who are in your family's lives and in your kids life Mm -hmm. don't just let them in, you know, and definitely don't just let your child be alone with someone who you don't really know, like really vet those people, you know, Mm -hmm. and another thing too, make sure your child understands that they can communicate with you. That's super important. Well,
1: that's, well, that's the key thing. And that's kind of what I, what I was getting towards is, people often think they, they, they look at like law and order special victims unit and think that some stranger going to run up and kidnap their kid off the street and run away into a white van and disappear to the, to the riverfront and do unspeakable, horrible things to them. Rare. And and that does happen. Sure. But it's, but it's, it's it's very rare. Um, that sort of disordered crime activity is, is actually exceedingly rare. It can happen and it does happen. I don't want to say it doesn't happen, but, you're far more likely it's someone
2: they know it's someone the kid No,
1: a hundred percent and you know i think what you said earlier this would have all been prevented in my opinion a hundred percent would have been prevented if we had a strong family unit a hundred percent if we had felt comfortable going to either one of our parents and saying you know what this this seems off. That I don't feel comfortable with this person. Like if a child comes up to you and you're a parent, and they say I don't feel comfortable with that person, th- that should be a million and in- that should be DEFCON one red yeah. alert going through your head.
2: And you need to s- establish an environment where they know they can do that, and they should feel mm-hmm. they can do that. They can come up to you and say, "Mom, Dad, I don't feel comfortable with this person." Otherwise, they might not know that they can do that. You know, they might think well, they something wrong.
1: You know, quite often, quite often, you know, my parents were well-meaning. They said, you know, if something happens, you need to let us know and that. But we didn't live in an environment where we actually trusted our parents. Yeah. Um, so because of that, because one day we'd say something and it would be met with good response. And then the next day we'd say the same thing and be met sure. with hostility. Yeah. Um, then then we just learned that, you know, adults can't be trusted. And so you need to keep your distance. and You need to guard what you say and kind of guard your own psyche Overall, and again, that comes back to how this person was able to enter into our lives altogether because of that. But uh, so I talked a, a bit already about sort of what had happened, how they ended up in our lives. But here, here's the other thing, and this is what these criminologists and these fucking whack job psychologists that are talking about maps and non-offending sex offenders and all that. What people need to realize, and your audience needs to realize. This is not a sexual crime. It is, but it's not what people think it is. The actual sexual act is not, the, is not the true intent. It's a crime of power. These people are exercising power over someone that is powerless. That is what it comes down to. And I've done research on this, and I'm not saying it's not a sex crime because it is. I mean, the person was charged with uh, with multiple counts of rape, sexual assault, coercion, and that, and did go to prison for those charges. But it's not at the end of the day that the sexual act itself is the physical act itself. What's going on is it's a crime of power. It's someone that feels they need to have power over other people. When we talk about grooming and we talk about these teachers, for example, on libs of TikTok, and these teachers are talking about keeping secrets away from kids and bullshit like, or secrets away from parents of kids and bullshit like that, that's grooming. Why? Because it's a, it's a system of predation. It's a system of power where the adult is exercising power over the child. So it's also- I have the power to keep your secrets. And, and just one more thing here while I'm on it here. So when these, when these teachers come out to their students, as a student in grade four, grade five, are you going to stand up to your teacher and say, nah, you know what, I disagree with this. Of course not. Of course, you're going to clap and you're going to say stunning and brave and you're going to affirm your teacher. Your teacher's in a position of power over you. That's the dynamic. That is the dynamic right there. The teacher's in a position of power. You have no choice but to affirm that teacher and their decision because, number one, they're the adult and you're a child. Yeah. And number two, even children understand that if they go against adults, there could be consequences. So... It's not like a, it's not like the teachers coming out to her friends at a at a wine day happy night at Montanas and and everyone claps and says you're stunning and brave tears are shed okay none of that shit going on because those are people on the same power level right they could turn around and say you know what um, I don't agree with that or or they or internally they say you know what I'm not a fan of that so I'm going to distance myself from this person you know these teachers know these students are going to accept them they have to and they're gonna constantly affirm them. And that is part of the grooming process. It's teaching kids that I'm in a position of power, I'm gonna say something and you have no choice but to accept this whatsoever.
2: That's an interesting way to put it too, because it goes to show, like you said, it doesn't always have to do with the sexual act. You know, in, in in this instance, you know, the satisfaction that the adult is getting is purely from the affirmation that they're receiving from the kids of their, you know, so-called gender identity, et cetera, and that sort of thing that satisfies them. And they are literally, like you said, grooming them to receive that satisfaction because it's a power dynamic. They're the authority figure. Like you said, how, how the hell's a, a kid, you know, who you're, they're in a position where it's like this adult is literally responsible for their grades for how they're going to, you know, be perceived coming out of school. And it's like, of course, they're going to just affirm you and say, hooray, miss or mix, (laughs) mix so-and-so.
0: And And then the other thing people don't really understand is that the grooming is a process. It's, you know, the first step is very innocuous. It's meant to be because that's how grooming works. It's a series of progressive you know, steps before you actually get to the, the physical or sexual abuse of the child. Uh, it, it, it's a process of, you know, creating the environment where that can happen by obscuring reality, by creating a wedge between the parents and, you know, the child, um, by forming that bond of trust. And it, it it's, it's not, it doesn't happen overnight. And this is why so many people are pissed off about Drag Queen Story Hour or about teachers coming out to the students because these what seem like may you know what may be on the surface level very innocuous things are actually setting these kids up for predation down the line. Uh, and that's the conversation that you know the lefties can't have.
1: Well and and you're right it and and some of these you got to and I and I realized too that some of these teachers they are not some of these teachers don't mean bad by it. Some of them are not, you know, they, they just, you know, some of them are, they don't recognize what they're doing. Um, maybe they're emotionally or, or immature or vulnerable or whatever yeah. themselves.
2: That, that's what I think it is. Actually, I think a lot of them are emotionally stuck at that kid level where they didn't get the affirmation and all that stuff, the validation that they
0: you well, know, at that age, listen, and now they're looking you, for it as You adults. listen to these people talk on, like, you know, like you said, lives of TikTok, they come across as very childlike yeah. in their mannerisms, yeah. their vocabulary. It's a particular affectation. Tone of voice. Yeah, yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's disturbing when you see it from adults because it's, it, it generally, to me, it's indicative of, okay, you spend way too much time with young kids, uh, or there's, there's a problem there. Like, you got mm-hmm. locked at that emotional maturity level you know, due to trauma at a young age. Yeah.
1: Oh, a hundred percent, 100%. And what, and I'll tell you where there's a big gap in our system. There's a huge gap here. And, you know, I, I try not to engage in mind reading. I really try not to like, um, I, I kind of learned that from Scott Adams, you know, where he would bring up what I thought was a really good point. And then he would say, okay, well, are we mind reading intent here? And then I realized, you know what, in some cases I actually do think I'm mind reading intent on some people. So I try to be careful about this, but I like to follow logical summation of facts as well. If you have enough vector points that you can point to, you can make a logical conclusion. In fact, that's what I do for a living. I won't say what I do specifically for a living because I don't want to get fired, Um, but I do risk assessment and risk analysis. That's a very, very over broad way of putting what I yeah. do for a living I
2: think I know what you do for a living. I remember you mentioning it to me, but yeah I can I can see now why yeah. I have to do with that
1: yeah, and again, I'm just going to say it's that's from a very top level again so I, I do risk analysis on on people generally is what I do is is I take vector points i do I use uh, assessment tools and and from that I can build I can build uh, profiles on people and they're not a hundred percent accurate, but I can generally summate certain aspects of, of people based on, on these things. And again, it's, it's always, of course, following vector points and certain spots along the way. And, and, but I also interview people as well. And, and, and sometimes that can drastically change, you know, how my reports go and things like that. But I will say that, Although you don't want to mind-read intent, I've seen these cases, and there's a lot of build-up there, but I've seen these cases where someone is 30 years old and someone that they were in care of turns 18, 19, and suddenly they're dating. You can't fucking tell me for one fucking second that they weren't grooming them when they were underage. Yeah. Don't, don't fucking tell me for one second that they weren't being groomed when they were underage. Don't tell me the intent wasn't there. The only thing that stopped them was the law regarding age. That's the only thing that stopped them. And I've seen it before. And it drives me up the fucking wall because, in my opinion, they should be railroaded out of the organization. They should be fired. They should be shamed. But they haven't actually committed a crime. Technically, they haven't committed a crime. But everyone knows what's happened here. That they've gained... While they were in a position of power over this person, they've gained this person's trust over a number of years. And now that the person is legally 18, 19, whatever, suddenly, they're dating? I don't fucking buy it. Yeah, I don't fucking buy it. They were groomed, 100% groomed. It's not a healthy relationship. It is a power imbalance dynamic. And... But people will will step by. Well, what crime has been committed? I so said it's not, it's not the idea of a crime. We have a million laws. We had fucking laws about masking and shit like that that were so disproportionately bullshit that we were fed that this was the right thing, you know. And 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 you know, cops cops will follow any law that's told to them. I mean, I would, I did a thing, reposted something about cops giving tickets in Toronto to cyclists going. um Six over the speed limit, even though bicycles don't have speed readers on them, (laughs) Um, but they were giving bicyclists tickets for going six over. Like if there's a law in the books, there's a cop that will enforce it. hundred percent. But then they say, well, there's nothing against, there's no law against it. So it's just immoral. Well, let's have a discussion about that, but we don't want to have a discussion about that. So that's another form of grooming.
0: That's
1: 100% another form of grooming.
0: Like the, the Lincoln Project was having older men dating or being inappropriate with 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-old guys. And eventually it came out and it was like one of the founders and then it was like two of the founders and then they left. And now the Lincoln Project is still this whole, it's like supposed to be a Republican organization, um, but it seems like it was just a bunch of anti-Trump Republicans that had tendencies towards younger men. Hmm. Um, so they, it, that, that whole thing like came out it was like a flash in the pan and then it was gone because, you know, anybody that's against Trump gets defended in our current media environment.
1: Oh yeah. Well, you know, that's how bipartisan it is. That's how bipartisan it, it, it or sorry, that's how partisan, sorry, partisan the politics are where, where literally if someone is anti-Trump. But they're a pervert. Well, they're anti-Trump, so they can't be that bad. Like that's how that's how fucking bad it is. Like someone will post something about a about um you know um someone you know some Democrats sniffing little girls' hair, and and shit like that. And then someone will post this thing underneath showing a list of Republicans that have been convicted of sexual assault. Good, fucking get rid of all of them. Right. Get rid of right. all of them. Fuck them.
0: They're all bad.
1: Like I like I don't I don't understand. You know. Are we playing the game, my perverts better than your perverts yeah, are on yeah, your side? no
0: get rid of them all <laughs> it 's what it seems like a lot of the time yeah for but real. that's
1: how that 's how lazy it is that 's how and it, and it does nothing to actually help the victims here. The victims continue to get victimized, and like people like you know they they had that professor that with at the university and they 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 canned it i don 't know what the fucking gender was. it looked like a alien to me, and it got a new job at another uh university and it was all about promoting maps. That was the big thing. Can't call them pedophiles. You got to call them maps. And and they got canned from the one university for making pro pedophile comments, got picked up by another university. And that, well, here's the thing. Here's the fucking thing. That person has no empathy whatsoever because if they had empathy, if they had real empathy, they would understand that there are victims here and these victims often kill themselves they often have lifelong psychological effects for for little girls that are sexually assaulted there's the potential they may never actually be able to have kids all right and that's all ignored that's all ignored in fact in some cases these fucking assholes turn around and they try to say well you know the the kid enjoyed it yeah like I've heard those, that sort of shit, and it, and it drives me nuts. I, I go, I, and I was like, you know, if this wasn't the internet, if this was in real life, you would never say that because I would reach over and I would beat the fucking shit out of you.
2: <laughs> For real. Man, that. Yeah.
1: Like, like it's, it's, it's insulting to one's intelligence to, to hear that. And as someone who has lived in a family that had to go through this, I'll tell you, there was nothing, nothing enjoyable whatsoever about that experience at all. It was an awful experience. It tore our family to pieces. You know, it it led to it led to innumerable harm. Our family has it destroyed our family completely. Um, I have you- family members yeah. now; they won't talk to each other um, after everything that happened. We had family members that turned around and said, "Well, how could you not know that was happening? How could you not know? If you were responsible parents, you would have known." And that. And and I get these people, these family members, they knew that there was mental illness involved in, in our family dynamics and that and and they were quite alright just standing by in the periphery on that, but then this happens and well how do you not know that happens? And you would think you know, have you ever seen the movie Hereditary?
2: I have not actually I've been meaning to no, watch not it yet. I haven't Wasn't seen that yet. um the same guy who did Oh, Midsummer. Yes. Yeah, that I one I seen one that. I need to watch you it. You've seen Midsummer? Oh. <laughs> yeah, you definitely watched that one. Okay.
1: Well, in in Hereditary, Toni Collette, there's a scene where they're at the the kitchen table after a tragedy happens. I won't spoil it for you. Uh but she says, um, maybe this could have brought our family together, but it didn't. And as soon as I saw that line it it fucking bothered me because it was it was a direct reflection of the same tragedy atrocity tragedy atrocity that happened in our family where it didn't bring anyone together we all drifted into our own islands i basically existed on my own my other siblings existed on their own my parents just they drifted completely and they just existed on their own we were a family in a household where no one talked to each other no yeah. one ever no one knew what to do there we didn't go for counseling or for help or anything like that because it just wasn't a thing and People, people, family, friends that you would have hoped would have come over and been like, "Hey, we support you. What do you need?" No, they stayed away because they thought, "Well, shit, I'm going to catch a, I'm going to catch a, the case of the rapes if I come too close over here."
2: Yeah, or so they fuck also them like, too. Fuck yeah.
1: them too. Well, they probably and,
2: figured, oh well, there's you know they're going to be all damaged and all this emotional burden, and I don't want to you know yeah maybe myself in that. And but like you said, you know, fuck those people.
1: <laughs> well, you know. L- a few years later, my uh, my mother got cancer. A few years later, and I remember we were sitting at the kitchen table, and this is how bad it had gotten. We were sitting at the kitchen table having supper, and at one point, she looked up and she just announced everyone at the kitchen table that uh, oh I deserved I deserved uh, I deserved this cancer for what happened to to this family member, and then just went back down and kept eating, and everyone just kept eating like it was just a normal comment to make. And yeah. I'm looking around at everyone. And everyone's like, I know everyone heard it. I heard it. I'm on the opposite end of the table. And I'm like, yeah. did, did anyone else just hear this? Like, yeah. that's incredibly, like I was, I was, I was a teenager by then. And I was thinking like, that's an incredibly fucked up thing to say. And are we all just going to sit here and ignore it? Like it wasn't said, <laughs> you know, I'm looking at, I'm looking at, you know, my dad and my dad just keeps, keeps on eating. Right. You know, I'm like, you know, might want to go console your wife or
2: something, yeah, you know, like, real, like,
1: but again, that's what happens. That's man. what happens. And, and it, you know, I siblings run away from home. It was, it was, it was a whole ordeal. And, and it's still to this day, there's still detrimental effects from it. Now the actual, the actual fucking rapist, he went to prison after, uh, after trial, you know, I think he went to prison for like, what was it? Six years, which was actually considered a very long sentence at the time. Um still is. It, sexual predators don't go to jail for very long and I don't,
0: I don't get that crazy. at all. Like um
1: we, it's but here so my my at one point my uh we had to develop a safety plan because and again this is going back in time here. I'm just trying to you know remember it's been a lot of fuzzy details now, but I remember my parents had told us that that he was at the minimum security. So he, he didn't do very much time actually inside in the actual walls. He went to minimum security, which is basically a day camp. Right. And then we had to develop a safety plan because the original one of the original conditions was that he couldn't be in the hometown. He he had to go live with a family member up north or something like that. But he got that condition revoked. So we had to develop the safety plan in case he decided to come after us. Wow. Huh. So for a while there I was carrying around a fucking noise alarm and if I saw him I was supposed to pull this noise alarm and like run away type thing. That 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 that's what the victim has to
2: deal with. Yeah. How old were you?
1: Teenager, I think I was like fourteen at the time, and that you know, I was thinking, you know, just beat the shit out of him and that. But yeah. you know, but again, you you know, fourteen, you, you think lots of things like that. You know, I I know I know for a while there we were actually I was thinking when he when he got out, you know, I get some friends and we go boot stomp him to death, like actually kick his head in type thing.
2: Yeah. I imagine it's easy to let your fantasies run wild with. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Football. Well. Well, and I talked to this, you know, I talked to the sibling about it, and the sibling told me, "Don't do it, don't do it, because then, then you go to jail, and he wins again." Yep. So, what do you do? He got out of prison, and he gets to live his life pretty much normally for the rest of his life. I mean, yeah, he's got a criminal record that he gets expunged after so many years, and. I think he's probably got to be on a sex offender registry that's non-public for the rest of his life. Big fucking whoop. So what, he gets to live off welfare and sit at home and enjoy the rest of his days while literally my family went through literal fucking hell and still to this day goes through hell with it. So that's, that's what happens with these perverts. That's what happens with grooming behavior. It's not like these fucking whack job university professors that think that, you know, there's a healthy relationship there or something like that. No, this is the fucking reality that happens. And not, not to dismiss anything that happened to me and to my family, but like, I've heard of cases that are a million times worse. I'm like, how the fuck do they hold it together? I've heard of cases where the sexual abuse is so normalized that the child has to be advised that what happens is not normal and that they have to prepare for the psychological trauma. That's going to come from realizing that that's not normal behavior. At least for my family, we recognize that wasn't normal behavior, but for some families, the abuse is so common, so often that it's recognized as just normal behavior. And then the child or the victim has to be advised, no, actually that's not normal behavior. It's not normal for you to be sexually assaulted on a daily basis by a family member. But we, but you know what? These conversations, like the one we're having right now, these are the conversations that we need to have as a society, but we can't have these conversations because they make people too
0: uncomfortable. Well, the, it's an uncomfortable subject. I, I mean, think people need yeah, to be made yeah, uncomfortable because sure. we have I been... Agree. We have been groomed on a macro yeah. social level to be far too yeah. comfortable with far too much for far too long. To
2: not rock the boat. You know, people don't want to rock the boat. They no, let's rock this
0: get... bitch. Like... Well,
2: I, I think a lot of it is it's exhausting and it takes energy because once you rock the boat, you have to defend your positions. And a lot of people, they would just rather stay
0: quiet and stay silent and not get involved. I don't think it's like that. I think it's a lopsided conversation where we have – pedivores pedophiles child abusers at a high level with lots of money and they are pushing this from the top down through big tech through social media i agree but through the vocabulary
2: the thing is the reason people aren't going to talk about that is like you're automatically going to be lumped in with the conspiracy
0: theorists. When you start Let me in. About, I don't I don't yeah, get well, a flying. Fly. Well, I know you don't,
2: Brent. Clearly you don't, and I don't, but I'm I'm just speaking in general why the general person isn't going to start like looking at the subject in that way.
0: Well, I just think they don't and, have they and, don't have the facts. They don't have the information. They don't have the perspectives yeah. like Russell's providing us here with how this this sort of behavior damages and destroys families. Um entire and,
1: generations Entire
0: generations they're, they're, they're yeah. Or they do, and they just
2: simply don't know how to talk about it.
1: Well, I, I agree there. I do think that. I do agree there. I think that some of it is. It kind of goes back to what I said earlier about these family friends that basically fucked off when when they heard about these things. They're they're scared if they talk about it too much. That that may be they're going to catch a case of the rapes or something's going to come out that they don't want to know about because ignorance is always bliss, right? If we don't know about it, then we don't have to confront these things. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, there's also this big push and it's this altruistic push, mostly and some of it is well-meaning from the left and that, but the far left and that the extremists, they're trying to normalize this sort of behavior. Uh, I don't know if you ever read Brave New World. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brave new world. Nothing was taboo, right? Absolutely. Nothing was taboo. And, and the dystopia was that you were basically given a job and you had to do that job, but nothing was off limits to you. So there was, so there was no social norms to base society off of, except for the notion that you have a set task that you are going to do until you die, basically. And these far leftists, in my opinion, they they think that think they think that people can be cured that you know we have to find value and and good things and even the worst people and and things like that and they seem to think like this is something that can be fixed well. I'll use, for example, I got into a Twitter argument. God, I love those. I absolutely love arguing with people on Twitter, especially because they not, don't realize I'm not going to change my position. They can argue with me all they want. And as it devolves, I and I tell them every step of the way, you're not going to change my position. We'll argue about this by the end of the day. And one of them was there was someone who had admitted online that they were attracted to little children and they did an AMA on Reddit, of course, Reddit, you know, the famous, you know, the famous forum for your, for our jailbait and all that shit. Yeah. Um, and they did this AMA and they said that they were looking, they were seeking help, but, you know, they, they couldn't control, they, they could control their urges, but they, they couldn't change their behavior and that, and that. And I was arguing with this person because I was saying, fuck that guy. And I hope and and he should be in jail as far as I'm concerned and or away from society, voluntarily exclude himself from society altogether, and I don't know go do manual labor on an island or something like that <laughs> like whatever and this person was arguing with me and arguing with me and and I kept saying to them, "This is what I believe. this person here is gloating; they're not doing this a m a to help people understand right. no you got to remember you got to remember and like i said it before this is not a sexual act yeah the sex is part of the act it is not a sexual act it is an act of power so when this person feels and feels that they're comfortable enough that they can go onto a forum and publicly talk about this and admit oh i, I I'm, I'm attracted to these ages and and this and that that's power. They're exercising power over people. Listen, I got this really disgusting perversion and I'm going to talk about it. And there's nothing you can do about it Yep. because there's nothing you can do about because I haven't done anything technically illegal. Right. And to me, I saw that. I, I looked at through a summation where I said, okay, this person is getting off on this. In my opinion, they're hmm. gloating about it. Look at me. I'm pervert. And there's nothing you can do about it. Ha ha ha. Yep. And this person couldn't see it that way. They Oh no, no. They're advising, you know, that they're a real person and they're trying to develop empathy and that Well, here's the thing. I I don't have empathy. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't have empathy. Nope. Um yes, you're a person. All right. Maybe one day they'll figure out what's wrong and what makes these people tick and they can go inside with the laser and fry that part of their brain or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, but until that happens, the best though I could say is voluntarily exclude yourself from society. That's the best I could say is, is to do that. Um, I mean, I guess I I, I can give credit where it's due. The person is gone, admitted, you know, what they are to a clinician and, and that, but you got to realize if you look at any literature on how to deal with sex offenders, go online, look up any literature. None of it is actually about developing empathy for the victims it's not it's all about controlling urges because the person can't develop empathy they don't have that capacity they will never view the child as a vulnerable you know being that needs to be protected they will always view their preference in a sexual light they they don't have any other way to do it so all the literature that I've seen is not about empathy building because quite often programming that I've seen is about, you know, building empathy, you know, oh, you shouldn't do this because look at the effect that it has on the victims and things like that. That doesn't work like psychopath, like psychopathy, like sociopathy, like Machiavellianism, extreme narcissism. You can't develop empathy there. There it's, it doesn't exist. So the programming from what I've seen and you can go online, you can read the literature is all about just developing a plan. Oh, I think I'm going to do this. So I better call my friend and, you know, have them come pick me up or whatever. So that I don't do this. That's what it comes down to. That that's, that's, that's level of programming that it, there's no, there's no empathy building there because they can't feel the empathy.
0: Yeah. That's like that circuit is just not there and you can't build it if it's not naturally existent and whether that's due to it being burned out, you know, from trauma or they're just born that way. I don't think we actually fully understand what's going on with child predators. I think there's a lot of different things happening. Um, but the very obvious conclusion is that they exist. They are real. They are continuing to abuse children and they will continue to abuse children, destroying families and, and families for generations. Um, and you know we have to confront this as a culture and we have to have these conversations because otherwise it, it gets worse, it goes on. Um, and it, it may be at this moment because of the way technology has grown that suddenly we're having mass awareness um and that it seems like the problem is getting worse over time but really the problem has been so bad up till now we just didn't have the technological or cultural recognition the awareness uh in order to have the conversations in order to deal with it and so you know that's why we're seeing that the backlash you know why groomer is being you know outlawed on twitter and on reddit
2: but i kind of wanted to go back to that a bit and maybe we can like sort of end on this discussion but like this in relationship to lgbtq and politics. you mean you mean
0: gay people and and gay. associated hangers on
2: hangers on <laughs> i don't like to use i hate
0: the acronym so
2: i'm using the acronym that that these woke types but, yeah would but use. i don't want to i don't
0: want to use their language anymore
2: all right but um i mean do do we think that perhaps there is a bit of clouding happening in the discussion and i've seen i've seen criticisms like this on twitter you know coming what do you mean from, clouding so if coming from some people on the left will say oh well you know like conservatives are over here criticizing the LGBT, and the grooming and all that stuff but like they don't say anything about the catholic church they don't say anything about like grooming we've been well, saying stuff about the catholic church <laughs> for a hundred years well, now exactly yeah, so I mean and, but these are typical like i guess comebacks that I see when you try to discuss they're, they're the bullshit. issue yeah, but it's when you bullshit. try to discuss the issue specifically and how it relates to LGBT and I guess the question is like is there a higher percentage of say predation against kids amongst say abnormal sexualities as opposed to
0: heterosexual? No. so the actual data on it shows that most child abusers do identify as heterosexual or come across as heterosexual and most of the abuse is uh, adult male to young girl hmm. most of it
1: and i think we have to remember again we can't define it as a sexual act it's an act of power so there could be an adult who is a heterosexual adult that predates onto a male child because it is an act of power hmm. it's not actually it's not actually about the sexual attraction
0: yeah, right. per se
1: it's about the power exerted over the child.
0: Yeah, we're like, we're normal individuals. You know, we get horny. We experience desire towards the opposite or the same sex, and we see them and we're drawn to them. And it's like, a, it's very sexual. Whereas for rapists and for predators, it's they they get aroused by the idea of consuming the innocence of or manipulating the individual and the family so the arousal isn't from so much the individual or the act it's from Being able to do that to somebody who's so defenseless and convince them, you know, to participate. It's the whole song and dance, the courting, the the grooming that occurs. And it's it's, dehumanization, too. Yes. Well, I think they're turning them into an object. Well, they
2: objectification. I think they view they view it as
0: eating in a sense. That's it's why I like a, the word pedo because it's like they're eating the essence of the child, and, the and once they've the done child. that, you just you destroy the potential future of that child to have a normal existence. So they I, will
2: forever be scarred. I just thought of Doctor Sleep that just popped in my head. And I'm like, is Doctor Sleep like a metaphor for this in a sense? Because it's like. You know that the group of uh, the psychics, right? Who drain the. You're gonna shine. have to. So
0: you're gonna have to give a little brief. All
2: right. So Doctor Sleep. S- Doctor Sleep is the sequel to The Shining. I don't know if uh, Russell has seen.
0: But I mean, you're explaining it for the I've audience. I've seen it. Yes. Seen Russell Yeah.
2: So it. anyone who's seen The Shining, you know, it's a uh, takes place in the hotel. The kid has psychic powers. Whatever. Doctor Sleep is like the main character. He's grown up. But in the movie, there's like this group of like I guess psychic vampires. They're adults and quasi-immortal quasi-immortal and what they do is like they they search around because they can feel i guess the psychic energy from others and they search around specifically for children i guess because they have a higher potent
0: yeah their shine is pure their shine is pure
2: or whatever and then they you know they hunt them down they trap them and then they they literally drain their essence out like
0: while torturing them while torturing
2: them and then they suck it out the suffering and it like tastes better it's kind of like
1: adrenochrome
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, I can't help but think about the movie. And I'm like, it, obviously, that's not what's happening in the literal sense. But in a sense, it is kind of what's happening. in Sort of a like
0: metaphor. A, metaphor, yeah. For, for consuming the yeah. essence of the child. And it doesn't necessarily leave them dead. But it leaves them damaged in, a, in such a way that they will never be the person that they would have been without that abuse. Many would oh, certainly. Kind of
1: like Monsters, Inc.
0: Yeah. yeah. Many would certainly describe themselves as like dead inside
2: after going through experiences like that. So,
0: and you can also see, like it, often you see the looks of children who have been abused. They have sort of like almost a dissociated dead look, dead look, dead. look because they, have they, are, to. they yeah, in order they to have survive,
1: dissociate themselves. Yeah. Quite often, quite often, you know, and this is and this isn't just with children. It's with anyone that's the victim of a sexual assault and that, or even just a a violent assault in general. They, they literally have to dissociate themselves from what's happening. Quite often, people that are victims of violent crimes and sexual crimes actually will see, the, they'll actually see themselves when they will talk about it. And, you know, we can get into the whole, what does that mean overall? But for another topic, but they actually see what's happening from a third point of view. They actually like they're floating in the air, watching what's happening to them, but right. not actually associating that that's happening to them. They're almost like a passive observer because their mind to create a defense against uh, trauma has literally disassociated itself from what's going on.
0: Yeah, it's it's really scary. And, and that's what happens to, you know, victims of abuse across the spectrum. Um, so do you want to go... Let's see, where else do we need to go here? Uh,
1: We're going to talk a bit about cults. Yes, tell me about
0: cults, Russell.
1: Okay, so... So another topic, and I've been on a couple of different podcasts about this. Um, um, one of them is no longer in existence, um, the podcast, um, but the other one, um, is still going around and, and I get messages from on occasion that, uh, people have listened to the episode and sent them a message saying, Hey, like, wow. And that, but I have a family member who's a member of a legit, uh, far right Christian based cult. It's called the last reformation. And it was originally based out of, I think, Switzerland. And it is a it is a extremist cult that believes that um, what many Christian-based cults do—that the end is coming, and that um, and that the Christian Catholic baptism is fake. But they are, they have the real story. They know what's really going on. The Christian Catholic Church is is strayed too far from the path. And this group is the one that's going to get it right. We're going to get it right, damn it. Um, <laughs> and it's um, it's uh, they have these things called kickstarters. So they they get you to get a family member, and they get kickstarted, and they they bring them out. It's kind of loosey goosey in a way, like it's not like. it's not like a traditional church where you, you know, where you go in and there's some guy speaking Latin up front and you get on your knees on the ground and you can feel the sin leaving your knees through pain and that sort of thing, right? It's not like that traditional. It's very open-ended. They have an excellent marketing team. Like I got to admit these people here, they understand the modern society. They, they're all about the YouTube videos. They're all about their podcasts. They're like, they understand, modern day multimedia marketing and they understand that many people are very, very dissatisfied with the Catholic church and the Christian faith overall. So this family member got involved with this. They were again, someone who went to Catholic church, got disillusioned, went to a more universal kind of open-ended church, but then got recruited from there to this group. And so they invited me to one of their group sessions, and I don't talk with this family member very often. I'm like, all right, I'll go. Like, whatever, I don't care, and went there. And they were doing some Bible study session thing. Now, I've read the Bible front to back. I went to Sunday school, that sort of thing. So, and I understand the idea of parables and and double meanings, and that. And I understand these books are written for people in their time to distill meaning to the people of that time in ways and storytelling in a way that would be understandable by the people from that time. So they were talking about, um, about something and I, and I had commented like I knew about it. So I made some comments and they were like, Oh, you want to talk to me more. And, and of course I'm not an idiot. I recognize a fucking scam when I see it. And I'm like, okay, like these people here, they're, they're obviously running a, a like a scam, multi-level marketing sort of thing. i um, trying to, catch me in a hook right it's always it's always they got to find a hook right they got to hook you and then you got to head in so they were all sitting down and they were talking about some passages from the Bible and and I'm bored as fuck there because I'm like (laughs) I've read all this stuff but I I, really it means if I'm not talking in a philosophical sense because I don't believe in it literally we're not talking about in a philosophical sense I don't I'm really not that interested right Um, so there, they were. They decided that they were going to call up one of their members who has cancer, and they were going to pray for them. So I'm like, okay. So they call them up on the cell phone. They put the cell phone in the middle of the table, and they're talking to them. And this person has cancer and that. And they're like, oh, we're going to pray for you. So they all reach out one of their hands towards the phone. So apparently, the magical energy is going to spring forth from their hand into the phone, go to the cell phone <laughs> tower, shoot across. You know, at the speed of light or whatever, and come out from the other side and attack this uh, person's cancer. Which, okay, whatever you want to believe. That's what happens. I don't God care. <laughs> so they're doing that, and they are they start praying. And so, like, I'm kind of like just sitting there, like, okay, this is kind of weird, but whatever. Well, the pastor gets up and starts yelling at the phone. You vile demon, you will leave this woman's body. Like, I'm like, holy fuck! Like, what the fuck is going on here? I kid you not. The no. bitch next to me starts yelling in tongues, ah. and I'm like, okay, "This is like this is beyond fucked up." I'm looking at this family member, like, "Come on, you're you're a smart person. How the fuck did you get roped into this?" Anyways, get past that amazing experience, which I would have thought would have been regulated to like mid-summer or some like you know like Wicket man movie or something like that. Like, what the hell? something you see in movies and you're like that doesn't fucking happen no it actually does fucking happen it happens and, and and the thing is that we were in like this upper middle class home and it was all just a whole bunch of like upper middle class like white people and i'm like fuck they're right damn it they're fucking right <laughs> like the idea like you know that what was that that movie get out or whatever yeah. And that I was just thinking of that movie Get Out and I'm like fucking Jordan Peele, he's fucking right. All these white people are <laughs> a, a bunch movie. of cultists. Great film. <laughs> Love yes. that movie. Very cool.
2: <laughs>
1: but uh yeah, so anyways, I start looking into this thing some more and I'm like, okay, these people are these people are, are kinda are kinda weird. So I'm like talking this family member and I'm trying to talk some sense, like, you know, but but he keeps going back to these talking points and I'm like but you gotta realize like like what you're telling me literally because this family member got banned from Walmart because they were because when you become and I think if you get banned from Walmart how the fuck does that happen like people at Walmart don't get banned from Walmart right. yeah. basically when you become a disciple in this religion you're treated as a disciple you can do baptisms you can do exorcisms I'm, I'm not joking either I'm not I'm not playing fucking games here they actually believe this so in the most hillbilly redneck fucking thing i've ever heard of apparently this family member and a group of people rolled up to walmart in a ford f-150 filled the back of the pickup truck with water and was offering to do on-the-spot baptisms to redo <laughs> people's <laughs> baptisms because the one that they got was illegitimate
2: wow were they charging
1: <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know, but I I couldn't believe it. I'm thinking like, like.
2: If they weren't, they were doing that shit wrong.
1: As I do they're like,
0: I'm your baptism is illegitimate, but the one we're going to do here in the back of this pickup truck right now outside of Walmart, <laughs> totally legit. <laughs> it's legit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like just. I'm just thinking like, you know, where's the Confederate flag here? Like, you know, like, could it get any more stereotypical? Yes, dance? exactly. But, you know, and nothing against tent revival groups, you know, people that want to go for that. You know what? You're free of religion. You can believe whatever you want. And this family member is free to believe whatever they want.
0: But it's obviously a cult. To be clear. This wasn't the same family member that was abused, was it? No. Okay.
1: No. Um, no different family member altogether.
0: But it's interesting how, you know, it's, it seems as if that damage can also create openings for other predators.
1: 100%. 100%. 100% believe you on that. If Once someone's victimized in that regard, you know, what they say, uh, even, even Law & Order you know, Special Victims Unit got it right, that once someone's been sexually assaulted... Uh, they're, I think they're like 10 times more likely to be sexually assaulted again because like okay. their mannerisms just they get picked up by those predators like nothing. And, yeah. Which is a really, it's like they can almost like, and again, I don't believe in this shit, but it's almost like they could psychically, and I know it's all body language, it's micro body language that we can't pick up on because we're Sounds not rapists, mm-hmm. um, but you can pick up on it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but anyways, back to cults and that, but so... Again, trying to talk, trying to deprogram, right? It's all about deprogramming and trying to insert that common sense. And, and I kept saying, like, you're not giving them money, are you? Oh, no, no, we're not giving them money. I said, okay, you're not giving them a teeth, are you? Because a teeth is a religious tax. So so I wanted to make sure and got a little bit nervous but said no. So I'm like, obviously giving money. And, like, this person, they downsized their house. They got rid of all their all their stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't think they're – Following the minimalists or anything like that. I think yeah. that literally they're giving money away. I don't know for sure. Maybe they're not, maybe they just decide to minimalize and whatever. But again, I look at vector points and I, and I make a summation from there. And most of the time I'm think I'm pretty accurate, not all the time, but most of the time. So why do I care about cults? Well, of course i got a family member that's in a cult. I've talked about it quite exclusively on the cult vault podcast. Um, So I won't get into the whole thing here because it's a very long conversation, but I'll just say that I drew parallels between cult-like behavior to both the right and the left. And when I say the right, there is cult-like behavior on the right. I look at QAnon and that, and for me, that's cult-like behavior right there. Just and I compare it the same thing on the left with their with the Antifa types and all that. I consider them two sides of the same coin when it comes to their cult like beliefs and behavior. Um, there was a uh, there was a case in uh, what was it? Um, we had this case ongoing right now about uh, this woman Tamara Lich. Uh, she was uh, the Freedom Convoy organizer. She was like she's kind of like our January sixth here in Canada. Right. So she yes. was held for, they just released her yesterday on bail for a second time, held in jail for 50 days on charges of mischief, which is a hybrid offense, most likely to be pursued by summary conviction, which would be a fine and maybe a couple of days probation. No jail history whatsoever for this lady. And people, and, and complete bullshit. It's complete political theater. It's complete bullshit. But I saw a meme online, and it was people comparing the sex offender that was getting out of prison. To Tamara Litch's bail stuff, and I and I and I said, I'm sorry. There's no comparison here. Tamara Litch is being held by a bail system provincially, which is bullshit. I agree, it's 100% bullshit. But you cannot compare it to a sex offender that's been tried, found guilty, in prison, and has been released by the Parole Board of Canada who is not a judicial, they're not a judiciary system. They're not like a judge or whatever. They're a panel that does releases. You can't compare them. They're two completely separate judicial processes. They have no in overlap, interlap whatsoever. And then, I, and then people attacked me for, well, you know, it's it's bullshit. I said, I can agree. I agree what's happened with Tamara's bullshit and that fucking pervert getting out is bullshit, but they're not the same thing. And I've seen the meme shared and shared and shared and, and I just stopped commenting on it. And I had to unfollow a couple of people that just like, they're so adamant about it. And I was like, I get it. And I, and I think it's bullshit, but you gotta, you gotta think still, you got, you can't just say, well, the right side of the spectrum is saying this. So it's correct. I don't know. Did you guys, did you guys, um, watch Lauren Southern's, uh, video, the whole truth?
0: No, I have not. haven't seen it.
1: And that, so she was talking about some of the groupthink issues on the right side of the spectrum and that, and I would highly recommend, even if you don't agree with her, just listen to it and just realize like, we all have to be careful that we don't fall into the group think. And on the left side of the spectrum, the cult like behavior there, of course, I think we are well aware of is, you know, um, the, the collectivist mindset, the socialism at any cost, yeah. um, you know, I hear, I hear quite often, you know, you know, we'll talk about the horrors of communism and what's happened in communist countries and the people killed and they will say, well, what about the billion people killed under capitalism? I'm like, you're going to have to define that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah please. <laughs> people killed under capitalism. I, People have people died because of capitalism. I'm well, a hundred percent sure, but billion people, capitalism allows you to own that phone in that laptop where you can be a bread tuber and make all your money, you know, spouting (laughs) communist beliefs online, which is whatever. If you want to believe in communism, I don't care. Move to, move to a, uh, well, mostly former communist countries, but move to a, move to a communist country and that go, go, you know, do slam slam dance poetry there or whatever, (laughs) and expose your beliefs there and, and live your free life there. Get away from the evil capitalist North America that everyone else seems to try be trying to get into. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. that's the cult. That's the cult. Yeah. And, yes. and the worst thing for any cult, the right and the left and any legit religious cult is the apostate. Mm-hmm. That is the worst person. The people that were in there and the right does it too. So I'm not going to let the right off the hook for this either. Someone that was like a staunch left winger that turns around after and says, you know what? I'm not not a big fan of this anymore. I kind of I saw some other viewpoints. I kind of agree with them. I'm out. That's the worst thing ever. Just like with cults because you've seen the light. How could you turn your back? You've seen the light. You saw what you needed to see. So I think in the idea of a culture war and the cultural battle, we have to be so careful that we don't fall into cult-like dynamics. And I and I often try to check myself on my beliefs too and say, "Okay, this is what I believe." Now, Am I? Is there a different viewpoint here that I should be looking at? And, and yeah, I follow some bread tubers and I listen, and most of the time they just piss me off. But on occasion, there's been times I'm thinking, okay, they're onto an idea here that I can appreciate, even if I don't appreciate, you know, that we need to tear down Western society to do this. Um, you know, I'll 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 say one of my one of my most left wing views, and it pisses people off when I say it. And I don't understand why. I don't even think it's actually even that much of a left-wing view. I think it's it's more, I don't know, centrist, if anything. But I get attacked for it all the time. Right now, the Pope is doing an apology tour in Canada. He's doing the Oprah Winfrey thing. He's doing the apology tour. And that going around and that um, apologizing for historical wrongs that happened, you know, lots of time ago and even recently up to the 90s. To me, it's virtue signaling. The Pope is literally virtue signaling right now. And all these indigenous leaders are coming up and they're bending over and kissing the Pope's ring and shit like that. And I'm like, how the fuck? Again, if if the individual people find healing in it, who the fuck am I to judge? However, if the Pope really cared, we are still to this day hunting down 102, 105-year-old Nazis. We're putting them in court and we're making them testify and we're throwing their old asses in jail. And we're humiliating them. We're taking any wealth that they accrued and that away from them. Love it. Those those uh, residential schooling things, those the scoops where they were taking kids off reserves and stuff like that, that happened up into the 90s. So that the Pope really gave a shit about reconciliation in Canada, every single document ever pinned or penned in regards to the subject should be released to the public to view and every single member of clergy that was involved, give us their names, let's assign a special prosecutor and let's get their asses up on a stand and make them testify. Yeah. hundred percent make them testify every politician, every administrator that was in, that was involved in the process, get them into court, make them testify for crimes against humanity. And then if they're found guilty, they can go to jail. And if they're not, then, well, then they go free and they At have to live fine. with that for the rest of their lives. Yeah. But yeah, that's I, accountability. I, that's reconciliation. I, I agree. What, yes.
2: what is going around and just saying, sorry, you going to do? It's not really going to do yeah. anything. It's, it's, performance. it's a performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a performance. I agree. And you're right. It is virtue signaling. But I guess if you're someone who's more conservative or on the right, uh, you're going to be a little more hesitant to call that that, you know, as opposed to say something uh, woke or not religious
1: well, well, exactly. And, you know, it, it it would be the same thing, you know, if it came to, for the right, it'd be the same thing if it was some sort of communist person going around apologizing for communism. Yeah, well, exactly. you'd expect more than just apologies. You would expect some actual convictions and concrete sort of judicial action to, you know, because if we don't set the example, so these indigenous people who've been victimized for the rest of their lives, they get to be, they're, they're victims uh, but they know that the perpetrators, some of them are not that old. Some of them are in their 40s and 50s, are still walking around free um, with no actions taken against them. Yeah. And and people attack me for having a left-wing view on that. And I'm like, I don't think that's a left-wing view. I think that's just accountability. But that's the cult, right? That's that's the mentality of of I'm Christian and I have to defend Christian value because they're under attack. Judeo-Christian values under are yes. under attack in the West True. 100%. But this whole thing of I have to I have to su- support this at any cost. We talked about it earlier. You know, when we we're talking about you know someone will mention a Democrat that's a pervert, and then they send a send a list of well, these are some Republican perverts.
0: <laughs> How about we just get rid of all the perverts? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Instead of playing the game of like whose pervert is worse, well, it's like
0: you know, <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein and Jelaine Maxwell trafficking children to no one, to no one. Yeah,
2: Yeah. it's yeah, like the, the
1: list that just disappeared.
0: We have her convicted, you know, but it, it's like you know, the wish that that's just supposed to be good enough when it's not. Like real accountability would be. We're not going to see it. Well, we're well, not going to
1: never it. release those lists. Yeah. They couldn't no, release those current. lists. I, do you guys remember years ago the Panama Papers?
0: Yes. So the, only, so the light only the only
1: person light. that got punished for the Panama papers was the journalist who died in a car crash like two weeks later after the yeah. papers were released. That's yeah. the only person who got punished. Everyone knows names were released, but we're so politically <laughs> apathetic. People will take to the streets over certain causes. And then other causes, everyone just kind of, oh, well, you know, I look at all these, you know, uh, anarchist capitalists and and these uh, bread tubers and that and and in some ways I do I do ha- I do understand some of what they're getting at I mean look at what happened with Wall Street with GameStop and how and how basically the system came to protect its own and uh-huh. it was so blatant in front of everyone I was like fuck here's something the right and the left can unify over is dirty corporations that are fucking people over
2: yeah yeah
1: but they couldn't do that they couldn't. They couldn't find common ground. They couldn't, you know, secede any sort of ground to each other. When I think cases like that, the Panama Papers, and that, you know, uh, you got that politician that's always doing the insider trading right out in the open.
0: Um, Nancy Pelosi.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, here, here's something where everyone can say, "Hey, look here's a here's someone who," but again they'll come to their defense. Cause well, we can't let the, we can't let the other side have a, have one up on them. But then you look at Trump and like they wanted his tax returns released and yeah. they wanted to do like a forensic audit of every single cent he's ever spent yeah. and all that. I'll tell you this, uh, and again, going off on a tangent here, but when they did the election there, um, and the, in the debate between Hillary and Donald and when, when, uh, the first one, when Hillary rattled Donald, I, I thought I thought she rattled him when when she said, Well, you've taken advantage of all these tax loops and that and in, in my opinion, you look kind of rattled. You didn't really know what to say. Second debate, she brought it up again, but he he did his research and he said, Yeah, but who who enabled that system? Who who created the laws that let me do that? I'm just following the laws and what the law lets me do and that. Again, dispelling the ethics of it. And I thought there, there it is right there. There's the game right there. And, but no one really, again, everyone stuck to their ideological spheres on it instead of actually saying, well, no, she's right. He took advantage of some really shitty loopholes and got away with not paying a bunch of taxes, which is based in my opinion, but, um but then at the end of the day, the other side didn't recognize that she was part of a system that allows this to happen in the first place.
2: Yes. Well, so you mentioned the, the wall street bets thing and all that stuff and how this should have been like a unifying moment. That's kind of how I feel about the issue with, with child trafficking and and abuse and all of this, you know, with Epstein and Maxwell, like it, it should have been a unifying moment. And I think they want to, associate this topic with q conspiracies and all that craziness because it does have the potential i think to unify the different sides if there's one thing i think anyone from any political side can agree with it's that we should protect our kids you know it's a pretty obvious human like instinct that i think all of us can get together and kind of find some common ground on that. And I think it's why, exactly why they want to obscure the topic, make it Mm -hmm. seem like, oh, well it's not happening on the higher up scale. You know, there's no mass conspiracy. That's crazy.
1: I'd agree that most sensible, moderate people agree that children should be protected on the left, far left children are disposable.
0: Clearly Clearly.
1: the idea of innocence offends um, those, those people on the far left. Um, children can make adult decisions like, uh, for example, uh, girls can choose to have their breasts cut off and that and get mastectomies when they're 10 years old because they feel like they're a boy. That's that's the far left sort of aspect of it that we need to treat children like little adults instead. And again, that goes back to grooming and predation yes. and things like that. Yes. But on the right, too, there is there is the far right as well. And that, you know, the whole idea, you know, onward Christian soldier, that sort of thing as well. Again, we're, yes, we need to protect the instance of the child because we need to make them, we need to basically groom them into being good, you know, Christian soldiers for the state or, or whatever you you think compared to World War II with the Hitler youth and that sort of thing again, two far ends of the spectrum where children become disposable for political reasons and political causes. While the rest of us in the anywhere in the middle, or even at the fringes of those edges are like, Whoa, what the (laughs) hell are we doing here?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, that's why these conversations are so important because I think people need to hear a lot of this. They need to think that they're not alone. They need to hear the common sense, the moderate perspectives, Um, because then when they hear it, they sort of allow themselves to think what they're already thinking in a way, um, through, you know, some form of limbic resonance. It's like, oh, okay, well then maybe my ideas about this aren't so crazy or that maybe this really is happening. And it's something we need to talk about more because it, it seems like it's a big problem. And yeah, you can be a quote unquote liberal or Democrat and talk about the Jeffrey Epstein case. You're fine. Yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, people are so afraid of being labeled like a QAnon conspiracy yeah. theorist. When I'm just like, guys, Jeffrey Epstein happened.
2: Like, yeah, it's not
0: like conspiracy. Like, is a it, well is a fact, documented it is a fact. It is a fact that elites are trafficking children to wealthy billionaires and millionaires and politicians and CEOs and and blackmailing them. You know, well, people
1: are apathetic though. People, yeah. people are so apathetic. What am I going to do about it? Me as a single person on the yeah. street who can have my reputation ruined at any time. It's true. Yeah. And that what am I going to do about it? For example, us doing the show right here. And that if we offend the wrong people, our lives are over. Let's be honest, our lives are over we offend the wrong people, then we have to make a hard choice that lots of people in these spheres have to make and that is do I continue on with basically having my reputation shattered? basically having a whole segment of population that absolutely hates me, but I'm going to stick to my values, or am I going to, you know, bend the knee just a little bit so I keep the pressure off of my neck?
0: It's like what Dumbledore said, very soon we're all going to have to choose between what is right and what is easy. All right,
2: you fucking nerd. (laughs)
0: I think it's a good line. It's a good point. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Can I go
1: back to one thing before we yeah. wrap up here? Sure. When we were talking earlier, and I just want to, you know, I hate to jump back because I know it, it sucks for, like, you know, someone listening because we're jumping around in a million kind of spheres here, but go back, going back to grooming in the LGBT community, the alphabet community, that sort of thing. People are
0: associated.
1: Yeah, gay, gay people <laughs> and their associates. I do think... In some ways, there is an issue there. Well, statistically, heterosexual men are just as likely to commit acts against children and other adults, and you know, sexual acts and that. I do think that there is a community-based problem that does need to be discussed, and that is, you know, the 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 cruise culture and that sort of thing, and these oh, yeah. col- and these sort of things where there's these younger. Younger men, teenagers that are like, I think I'm gay, and they look for a community, and that, and there is predators in these communities, and I do think that they get provided cover way too often when they absolutely should not be provided cover. I think, uh, I think Milo and Elonopolis talked about. I think that's what event, what pretty much got him canceled, is because yep. he spoke one of the truths that's unreally speakable and that and that is that there is grooming in in the gay community where where young men are groomed by older men and i'm not saying that 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 doesn't happen in the straight community i'm not saying that doesn't happen with lesbians or anyone else but i do think he pulled the wool back on an issue that we're just not ready to talk about as a society either
0: yeah, well, uh, there was a big viral... I think it was Timmy Poole that t- t- tweeted out about George Takei and yeah. how he lost his virginity at age 13. Old story, by the way. Uh, it's old story, okay. but also, you know, he said something... He, he sort of made it like, you know, he he wanted the experience like he was attracted to this this
2: goes back to what russell said you know it's like you literally have to like undo an entire way of thinking that the victim has that what they were doing was okay and normal yes and and it goes to show like even someone like him like how old is he now? Like in his eighties, I believe eighties or something like, and I think that that interview was in like 2017 when that story came out. So, you know, someone in their older age can still look back and view the abuse that happened to them as like normal instead of positive. calling it abuse. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, Um, we had, we had a friend uh, who was telling us a story about how he lost his virginity at age 12 to a 35 year old man. And he was telling us the story as if it was this sort of like glory moment in his past. And after he told us, I was like, you know, have you ever thought that, you know, that guy took advantage of you? You know, he isolated you, he showed you pornographic material, and then he, you know, did things with 12 year old you that, you know, adults do with each other? Like that doesn't, that didn't strike you. It was like, oh, no, he was hot. You know, I kind of wanted it. And I was like, well, but, but did you, and do you think that that now, you know, this guy is a lot more promiscuous as an adult in his thirties, and so I proffered the question, do you think that the fact that you had such an early sexual experience with somebody that you thought was attractive, did that lend to your later, you know, promiscuity or, or and, you know, he didn't know, but it was just something to think about. I could see the gears starting to grind up in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what we do, we normalize it, especially in the gay community, yeah. because well, there's I there's think, no culture, we have no established rules. It's like anything goes. And yeah, well, I think the other thing too is, for a
2: long time, there was that general taboo or stereotype that gay men are all predators and pedos, and perhaps that comes back to the things we're talking about—that there is some there was some truth that, there. There's some truth there, but I think because of that stigma and how long it took to get rid of it. Now there's a fear of addressing anything that is happening because there's that fear that, oh, well, you're going to revive that stigma and we're all going to be lumped in with this. And by talking. It is being revived. Yes. And by talking <laughs>
0: and the people, the people who are reviving it are the, the people that claim to be opposing it. <laughs> but the
2: problem is the way they see it in their head is by talking about it. That's what's going to revive it by giving it attention because it's like, oh, it rarely happens. It's one case by focusing that's on it. You're, you're making it seem like all oh, gay people are this and this and that. And it's not true. Really? It's the opposite. Yes. It's, it's by not talking about it, by not actively like Us, like what we're doing here, separating ourselves from that and saying, well, that does not represent all of us. That is a different phenomenon. Yeah. We are gay men. We do
0: things with adults, legal adults. Or like what Twitter's doing. Now, Twitter has been caught multiple times over the last couple of years, staunchly defending pedophiles, maps, you know, the discussion of the practice, all of it. And then when a minor child has, you know, some CSAM taken of him and finds it on Twitter and wants to have it removed. Twitter will not remove it until the Department of Homeland Security gets involved. It goes to Twitter and tells them, "Hey, you guys need to take that—that's child abuse material. You have to take that off your platform." Uh, It's just—it's like who does Twitter work for? Because it seems like they're defending the pedos while you know not helping the victims. And it's like, what conclusions can you draw when the behavior is becomes consistent over time? Yeah.
2: Well, the only way to deal with this man is just. Call it out. That's the lesson here. You know, if you're if you're someone and you feel like you're part of the LGBT community or whatever, and you gay know, gay community
0: and associated,
2: gay community and associated, or lesbian community or bi community or whatever, like they're gay too. Whatever community you associate with, if you notice people there and they're clearly too young to be there, or if you notice something that is just off or unusual, like call it out. Stop acting like if stop acting like if you call it out, you're going to somehow damage yourself and everyone else who's also gay <laughs> lesbian. By not calling it out, you're doing the, the damage. That's why this is getting as bad as it is. And it's why, you know, the, the super conservative types, they're just going to go flee further into their conservatism. And they are going to start lumping all of us together because they're going to say, well, look, you must be okay with this because you don't say anything about it. You don't call it out. So as far as I'm concerned, you're fine with it. Yeah.
1: No, I, I definitely, I, I definitely agree. I mean, there was that one video of that one drag queen that was like, being videoed and and he was like, like, why do they have children up on the stage here? Why is this going on? Why are people cheering this on? And I was like, yeah. good, there's someone here involved in the culture yes. that's actually saying, Yes, um, I'm looking at this and something's wrong. Very similar to when I was sitting in that room looking at everyone, yelling in fucking tongues and thinking, there's something Where? deeply yeah. wrong here. Yeah. Well this person who's part of that culture is looking around seeing everyone engaged in these activities and thinking well there's something just not right here and and they got attacked for calling it out i don't care what anyone says a drag show is a sexual show uh-huh. it anyone who drag queens are not family friendly friendly entertainment and you know what props to rupaul and to rupaul's drag race for helping bring some aspects of culture into the mainstream that were Previously, yeah. more taboo.
0: I actually, I actually blame. RuPaul. Yeah, we blame RuPaul. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I agree with you, though. It is sexual, and and that's how it should stay, and we should want it that way. The, like, why would you even want to try to make a drag show more family friendly? That makes it boring as shit to me. And if you're not going to make it family friendly, why would you want kids there? I would feel uncomfortable with that. Cause I want to laugh at all the body, sexual inappropriate jokes. And I would feel weird doing that with like a child there. So it's just, I, it, I don't get it. Like it's I'm a trying lot of to it.
1: realize originally RuPaul's drag race was not considered family friendly entertainment, yeah, right? I'm it sure. wasn't yeah. it's over the years. It's morphed into family friendly entertainment because more parents had their kids with them who laughed at the jokes. And even though they didn't get it, they laughed at it and they're like, Oh, well this isn't so bad. And, and that, um, it's again. And I, I do agree that shows like that have contributed negatively to the, to that sphere as well. So the positive aspects of, you know, well, drag queen community exists. And maybe there's some people that are adults in the gay community that are like, Oh, you know what? I want to have a drag persona and that you I'll tell you my personal opinion. Here's in here you want to hear a right-wing opinion? Totally. on Drag queens. Drag queen drag queens in my opinion, although I've been to shows and I know several drag queens and I appreciate their art and that, it's pure misogyny. It's pure misogyny. They're wearing woman face.
2: Yeah.
0: 100%. I, I, yeah, it's a, cari- it's a caricature of her femininity. That. I've heard that
2: argument before and I think there's, there's definitely something to be analyzed there. It is, it is woman face. Yeah. It is
0: caricature of, of right. femininity. Technically.
1: Well, my, my, my mom wore handkerchiefs in her hair and a mini mouse, uh mini mouse jacket over top of her, like her sweatpants. I've never seen a drag queen do that before. Yeah. Um, it's always the most, it's always the most catty, the most, the botched aspects of fem- of femininity and female sort of culture out there. It's the catty, most catty and the most backstabby. It's stripper. And you got to realize it's, that's it's how these people street. see women.
2: Yeah, it is stripper yes. culture. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly how they see a particular type of women. I mean, Brent and I personally like drag shows. We think they're hilarious. We think they're funny. Um... But they're for adults. <laughs> you know, it's just it's not something, you know, whether you think it's misogyny or not is kinda even beside the point at this
0: mm-hmm. point. It's Heck like, our, the last drag show we were adults, at, we had the, the drag queen doing drag bingo and she was asking if she needed to explain her rules about G this is the, the chemical, the drug, GHB, because so many people that she had known had died from GHB overdoses. So just to give you an ex- one example of how child inappropriate the content at a drag show or a drag event is.
1: Well, wasn't like, there yeah, that, uh, there, there was that show, uh, there was that one uh, kid they had dragged in there, that Desmond kid. And there was the one where they were talking about uh, ketamine or something like so- that. Yeah, careful. so that was
0: that was Michael Alley's podcast. Now he passed away from a heroin overdose, I believe it was. Good riddance. But after he had gotten out of prison, he had uh, Young Desmond is amazing on his podcast, which I forget what they were calling it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but anyway, there was you know uh, he seemed a little drowsy at the event. He like mimed like doing a line of of drugs. Mm-hmm. Appeared uh, to be in
1: a condition other than normal.
0: Yeah, it was very disturbing. Well I actually got started making solo videos because I, I saw a feature on Desmond and I had to speak out about the phenomenon of drag kids. And interesting point about Desmond is in and RuPaul is that he got his the First time that he saw drag queens was watching RuPaul when he was two years old.
2: An interesting point about Michael Aleg, the guy who this mother allowed her kid to sit down with and talk to on this show. He chopped up a body, convicted into pieces murderer, drug dealer, and threw the pieces into the Hudson River.
0: <laughs> oh, wow.
2: Yeah. So, you know, one of the
0: parenting decisions yeah, here. Great the
2: person, fish. I would love to have my kid sit down and talk with that person.
1: Yeah, let's That's just smart. sit down and talk with a with a socio psychopath and that who hacks up bodies and that talk about a level of dehumanization you have to have for someone and yeah. that you know, well, he, he was definitely
2: not... really hopped up on drugs and stuff, and I think it was
0: like dealing oh,
1: yeah. so Always a convenient that. excuse. Yeah, mm-hmm. convenient yeah excuse I'm sorry. No
0: judge. matter how many drugs I do, I'm not going to kill somebody yeah. and start chopping them up. Yeah, but. I don't... Mm-hmm. That's, there's a little sociopathy. Oh, little dear. Apparently,
1: we haven't done the right drugs, guys. Sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> on that note, I think we should wrap it up here with body chopping. Oh, my God. Dangerous rhetoric, guys. Uh,
0: don't forget to like, subscribe, <laughs> comment. Uh, Russell, tell everybody where they can find you and dark humor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I just want to say, I really appreciate you guys having me on the show. And thank um, you for
0: making the time. Thank you for coming on.
1: You know, like you guys really, I love watching your show. You guys have really good guests and that, um, I mean, I found you guys through disaffected and that. And so, you know, like here I am just dropping other podcasts and that, you know, being a, being a good podcaster, you know, spreading the love around for the community and that, but definitely love your show. Love the guests that you have. Uh If people want to find me and my, and my insane opinions and stupidity and, and my great interviews with excellent people and that uh, coffee dot You can find me on all the usual platforms. I'm going to list them off. You all know that if you're watching dangerous rhetoric or listening to it, you probably know most of the platforms. Um, I mostly do conservative content, but I also have done interviews with marijuana activists. I've done interviews with politicians from Canada, Maxime Bernier from the PPC, and things like that. I do solo episodes where I talk about my uh, insane opinions on things. So if you're interested, check it out. You can also find me on Twitter for now at uh, Coffee Breath Conversations. Um, And I'm also on Getter and trying to use that platform more often.
2: Yeah, just in case you're not on Twitter anymore. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now. Thanks for listening, yeah. everyone.
0: Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, share the show with your friends. Give us financial donations. Uh, there are links in the description, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo. Send me a DM if you want our crypto address. And we will be back again soon with another one. Thank you so much. Thanks for later. recording. Bye-bye. Later, guys.